0: Good evening, Russ. John Halliwell, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Nice to hear from you.
1: I appreciate that, and thank you for sort of reaching out and sort of organising this from the start. And I, um, I think we're going to touch on a couple of things: your sort of Richmond connection, and then your world of sport connection, which I'm fascinated with. Right. With with Richmond, you played under 19s and reserves, or just under 19s? Uh,
0: no, I played a few games with the reserves, so. Made these uh, supplementary lists in back in '63 when I was 17, and um, yeah, I played. Well, my first my first memories of footy was probably as a 12 year old boy growing up in Warrnambool, <laughs> and uh, I played on the wing for South Warrnambool under 18s, and uh, also recall playing kick to kick with them in the village green down there with a, a then 12 year old Cowboy Neil. He was a very good player back then too.
1: <laughs> so was Cowboy was Cowboy from that area too?
0: Yes, he was. He right. grew up down there. Um, hmm. I then came down to Melbourne, started playing with uh, Mount Waverley, had a few games with the under-15s. And then hmm. next year, um, I played with the in the ruck with the under-17s and managed to win the best and fairest. And uh, then went down to Richmond and played a couple of practice games and was lucky enough to kick a few goals playing at full forward. And then uh, I opened the paper the next day and... I saw my name on the list, on the sub list. So, <laughs> so had, was, how did
1: the Richard It was connection... a wonderful
0: experience back then for a young boy. Oh, I can imagine.
1: Now, the, what did the supplementary list mean?
0: Well, it, I guess just that—it's a supplementary uh, list to the senior list. But there were some good players on it, like Gary Gary Boss, who was father of Michael Boss, and of course Stan Judkins' son. Noel was on the list as well. So, yeah, it was it was good to yeah. see. So,
1: what did you do? Oh, wait, you chose Richmond because of the Mount
0: Whaley connection, didn't you? Is that why? Yes, yes. Yeah, Mount Waverley was Richmond's oh, territory course. in those days, Yeah, way back. Um, yeah, so I, I played yeah. about, I guess, run about 40 games or something with the unknown enders of reserves, but the big thrill was actually playing alongside and training with members of the 67 and 69 premiership side, like you know Kevin Kevin Barlett and Michael Green, mm. Michael Bowden and Johnny Ronaldson. Uh, and Freddie swift in the reserves. Just to actually play and train alongside those legendary players was yeah. a real privilege and something I don't forget to this day. Were you a Richmond supporter? I was, and that was another <laughs> bonus. <laughs> I was a great Richmond supporter, yes.
1: Hold on, was, you, was your father a Richmond supporter? Did it come from uh, my family?
0: No, no. My father, my father ran the newspaper down in Warrnambool, oh. and uh, he was orientated to business, and he, he liked his cricket, but he wasn't. Terribly interested in football, right. but I think I get it from my. is one of his brother's uncle Stan, who was a fascinating cricketer down in Warrnambool. I think he still holds records for making three hundreds and things like that. Goodness. Way back, way back then in the forties and fifties.
1: What I what I love is that, as you said, you're around the club at the time, and you're you're probably this. Are you the sort of the same age as? My father and Michael Green and Bell? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. The same age.
0: We played in the same team. So o- Outside you of
1: the club, did you, did you did you guys sort of hang out?
0: Was there a um,
1: group of people who sort of caught up outside of training?
0: Not really in those days. Mm. I, I guess I used to drive a lot of them to the matches around Melbourne. Um, in my I had a little lindy in those days, so <laughs> we all piled in about five of us. And you can imagine big Johnny Ronaldson and people like that all... All tucked into the mini. It was, <laughs> but that was the way we got to the, most of the matches. You were carpooling where you were. Uh, I was. We were carpooling, and I yeah, hope, it was. I hope a they j- paid you. Did they? <laughs> I hope they paid you a little bit. No, no, nothing like that.
1: Do you remember the first time you met Tom Hafey?
0: Um.
1: Good question. Would you have been what? associated with him during this under sort of 19s period? No, he wasn't there by that stage, was he? No.
0: Well, no, he no, he wasn't. he wasn't. He came later. Yeah. And right. uh, I, I did get to meet him quite a few times. and In fact, uh, one time I was asked to come down before the, the, the night before the 67 uh, grand final and mm. show the players and Tommy uh, wanted motivational stuff like uh, boxing and all that. I showed them Jimmy Carruthers' world title fight and uh, got them all G'd up for the, for the next day on the MCG.
1: Wow. So, so we should have <laughs> mentioned, so at this point you sort of got a connection with... With uh, sort of the film production side and, and world of sport and Channel Seven, yes, so well, you had the you, had, you actually had reels of film,
0: yes, on, on yes. like our projector. Well, that's right. You'd have sixteen millimetre film, and I'd just bring a projector over and put up a screen, and then uh, show whatever motivational films they wanted. And that was that was the good thing about, uh, I guess, after I, I stopped playing footy, mm. um, and that that happened when I dislocated a shoulder playing in a preliminary final on the mcg um right. and to put the shoulder out and in those days they didn't there was no talk about shoulder operations and all that it was a, it was a different era, yeah. and my shoulder kept popping out so it was good that that happened in a way because it ended up getting uh, getting me out of national service <laughs> that was the bonus now national service sorry was it compulsory it was compulsory in those days if you were voted in balloted in you had to go and coming into Vietnam and fight and uh not many not many of the young guys wanted to do that because yeah. it was a stupid, unwinnable war. Um started so by politicians and things like that and no one no one wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. But because of my shoulder I went to the medical and uh mm-hmm. said, oh, I'd like to fight for my country, sir but uh, I can't because the shoulder's no good anymore. And it, I, I gave it a bit of a move and it made these terrible noises oh. like oh. <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> The, the doctor said next next <laughs> <laughs> so it got, it got me out of national service which I was very happy about because I know some of my close friends were invited in couldn't get out of it and they came back different people oh, together my gosh. it was sad really it How was awful uh, to hear yes did I'm you, sure your dad knows about people so in your, that era as well
1: so your number was pulled, was called out wasn't it was that, yes. was that what happened or you get a letter in the mail
0: um, I think you, you, get, you do get a letter, oh, yes, right. you do get a letter right. that's your birth date, and they, they go on birth dates, it was filled right, cool out. So.
1: Well, can I ask, just to touch on that quickly, what, how did your parents feel about that? Oh, they
0: naturally didn't want me to go, of course. Yeah, right. Yes.
1: Because you were how old were, how old were you at this
0: stage? You were, well, at this stage I was you were 17, 17 18, yeah, and right. 18, I think, and, yeah. and then i just got a job at Channel 7 and things like that. So mm. there was a little bit of future there which would have been lost because mm. with the National Service they, they claimed that you wouldn't be um, impaired anyway with your employment. But this was not the case and mm. I know some Channel 7 people who were balloted in and by the time they came back their jobs had been given to other people and things like that. So, yeah, it was very unfortunate.
1: When you're with Richmond in the under-19s, who's coaching the, the team?
0: Ray Jordan. <laughs> <You> <laughs> yes.
1: know, all I can think of is Ray's billowing voice across the ground, most likely.
0: That's right. <laughs> you goosey, would <he'd> say. <laughs> you... <laughs> there was a few explosives along the way, wasn't there? Oh, there was indeed, but that was just his colourful character. But he uh, but a, could a, coach. He was a great coach and it was wonderful to be uh, involved with him.
1: But he could actually—he could actually coach, couldn't he? he like he had oh, yes. a—he
0: was a very, very skilled sportsman, and he was, you know, wonderful cricketer. He played for his state, and I think he may have even played for Australia at some stage. Mm. But uh, he was a great sportsman. He played for Coburg in the VFA in those days, and uh, he was a star rover before he came down to Richmond.
1: And, well, and yeah, his his father also played for Richmond. I believe so. Yes, um, uh, Clary Jordan. Um, okay. For for a couple of games. The um, so who was res, who was reserves coach at this stage? When you uh, Dickie Harris, the great Dick Harris. Yes, who yes. might have had the nickname Hungry at some point too. I think
0: <laughs> he might have.
1: <laughs> Did, uh, it last a long, any any memories of Dick at all?
0: Vaguely, um, oh, he was a real real nice guy. Yeah. Just a, yes, he was good.
1: I mean, you've got two sort of very Richmond people there, and. In 67, you've probably got, or around 67, 69, you've got, well, you've got Hafey, a real Richmond man who played for mm-hmm. Richmond. You've got Dickie yes. Harris, who was a Richmond champion, who's coaching yes. the reserves. You've yes. got, I'm guessing, uh, what, is it Graham
0: Richmond? Well, Graham of, was always know. around, yes. Graham was always around. At that he point. Was, uh, fired up everybody. And, yeah, had had a bit to do with Graham over the years after I you know that's the club uh, and working at channel seven they get many a phone call from graham asking for you know little favors and things like this this and that yeah. so yeah, i was only uh, i was very happy to to oblige one of them even, them was, even uh, things cool. like uh, oh I remember the richmond coterie has a son you know wants to get a job in television can you help so yeah i got oh, him a job yeah. uh, things like that one as of them- well as uh, as well as um player segments and things like that like in the, 60, uh, sorry, the 1980 grand final, he rang up and wanted me uh, to put some, together some highlights of Mark Lee playing really well because apparently before the finals, he was a little bit down on form. And um, so I did that and they showed it to him. And he was one of the best players in the grand final, if you recall, in the 1980 grand final. Absolutely. So little things like that, I was just really happy to be able to, to help the club in some way. And still be involved. I just feel so privileged after uh, 20 years after stopping playing that I was still able to be associated with the club and helping them um, in various ways when asked. When so. And where did you, did you edit this
1: at Channel 7?
0: Did you put those sort of highlight reels
1: together at Channel 7 or in, did you have your own sort of little editing suite or?
0: Oh no, I did it all at Channel 7, yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, when, when Richmond wins the premierships and we're celebrating, are you there? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, I was very lucky, even the 1980 grand final, because I was helping the club, I was asked along to the Southern Cross for the grand final celebrations, and it was just (laughs) such a wonderful, a treasured memory to be with the players on the night they won the final and just on the dance floor, high-fiving and stuff like that, the players I knew, it was just such a wonderful memory.
1: How incredible is that?
0: Yeah, Particularly, and all because, as, you were,
1: as you were saying, you know, since you've been doing that since, you know,
0: the mid-60s and they still sort
1: of right. relate to you. Yeah. I
0: mean, so many people, they play for the club for a couple of years, few years or whatever, and then they just leave and they, they yeah. lose their contact. But through my role at Channel 7, I was able to keep involved with the club for the next 20 years. And that, uh, that was great for me. And hopefully <laughs> I was able to help the club a little bit.
1: Well, it sounds like you did. Where, where did you get the interest... For television, for production, for editing. Where did that come from?
0: Well, my father's hobby was 16mm film. Oh, wow. So I had some idea of what film was all about, and um, it helped me get a job directly into the film department. And then, of course, my interest in sport, sport and film um, soon came together, and that's when I managed to get the job as editor of World of Sport. So I was editor of World of Sport there for probably 15 years or so and uh, hmm. that was wonderful memories again.
1: When uh, So I, I can't remember how many episodes of World of Sport there was.
0: <laughs> oh Yes, it was the world's longest running sports <laughs> show, I think, at some stage. <laughs> it was a long, long time. And you were there, and, there for how know, many years? Big pardon? How many years were you there for? Um, for I was at seven for almost 20 years, and I was editor of World of Sport for probably about 15 of those. And, you know, during that time, I saw... It was used to all be all film, and then we had some videotape as well. But in those early days, it was only film. There was no videotape, yeah. so uh, we had quite a job to get all the matches together. We used to go in there at say six in the morning and meet up with Ron Casey there, and go through some of the films. And then he realised after a while that I, you know, could handle picking all those highlights myself. So then uh, he used to come in at 8 o'clock then, rather than 16 in the morning. <laughs> and uh, i still get in at 6 and go through all the all the matches and pick out the mark of the day, the goal of the day, oh, the really? panel segments and uh, all that stuff. But what would, so what as would be... As we, sit, as we sit here, I still have a picture in my office of uh, Billy Picking taking the mark of the day, I think, in 76. Sorry, the mark of the year. Yes. And that was one I picked out. <laughs> and the photographer Channel 7 blew it up to a big... Um, oh. Uh, four foot uh, picture Goodness. Just good memories again so what, what was
1: what was the um, direction given to the ca- like cameramen like
0: okay. were, well, all before,
1: ga- were all games filmed what was sort of the background of that
0: okay well what I what I do all games were filmed in those days and um, I would uh talk to the cameraman before the match and i would uh, give him say half a dozen players to concentrate on sort of like a what they call an iso camp situation where they isolate a player and make sure they've got uh, footage of him because if he's going to be among the best players we don't want to the panel member giving three votes to a player we don't get, don't get any shots of because right. they probably only shot about half an hour uh a right. film from each match right. that was as much as they could could do um and When you're filming running around the bat, they ran around the boundary line with a 16mm camera in their hand and shooting, shooting lots of stuff Goodness. and uh, Yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of wastage too with those uh, Early days, there was no way you could save all the footage that was shot It was just too much of it yeah. and most of it went in the bin uh, Apart from the say three three minutes or so of oh. panel highlights from each match the rest would be binned just tossed away because there's no way you could keep it all.
1: Was there any sort of thought at that stage to to keep in items, to keep in footage, because it may made... well. We
0: kept, the, we kept the highlights. The best stuff was always in the highlights, and that was kept. there was so much else, and and you know, I was able to put a, together a reel of Kevin Bartlett over the. Uh, yeah. over 15 years of stuff that would have been thrown out, and I said, I can't throw this out. <laughs> so I'm going to, you know, because I played with Kevin, I know one day he'd like to, uh, to have it, maybe to show to his kids or something like that. That was my rationale back then. Well, so, how uh,
1: grateful are we because that actually yeah. came to fruition, you know, the grandkids were watching, you know, the starts with black and white with him with hair, and, ah. you know, ends, you know, 400 games later, uh, yeah, through the banner sort that's. of thing. I mean, well, that's
0: exactly what I was hoping. We're so
1: grateful for that. So, thank you. I'm pleased to hear that. Um, and you've, you've obviously edited that all together. Did you, you? So you just edited that on film, didn't you? You just spliced the films yes. together, did you? Is that what happened? All right?
0: film, just spliced together right. with a sixteen millimeter splicer. All the film was just spliced physically spliced together. No electronic edits, it. like in the days that uh, we do now with videotape and digital recordings. Excuse my it ignorance. Did 16, did
1: sixteen mil have audio as well?
0: No, it was right. silent footage Okay,
1: and so then they would the just audio,
0: over it The only audio was the panel member <laughs> Going about his business, describing all uh, the highlights <laughs> And his votes and things like that Yeah, there was um, great memories of all uh, the, the panel members And things like that All uh, the people we worked with It was, uh, of course, Jack Dyer and Lou Richards And Bobby Davis And uh, it was Neil Roberts oh, and, uh, yeah. Bruce Andrew And then later on Dougie Wade and, Whoever would come in, there was—they'd all come and rehearse their matches. They were all very good. They oh, all right. had to come in, rehearse their footage. So yeah. what—they weren't going to wear cold. They right. run through it first, and as if there's something special there, they wanted to make sure they made mention of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, those were the days. You do and see... when you get when you get to my age, all you've got is memories of those things. So <laughs> you, you tend to cherish those memories.
1: Actually, you just reminded me. I have seen a couple of YouTube videos where you know Jack Titus might be on the panel, you know, as a guest or something like that. And at the end, they, they might give him a reel of highlights or here's a reel of yesterday's game sort of thing. Um, that's probably like the only reel <laughs> of, that, yeah, of that, that match sort of thing, I'm guessing, in a sense. Um,
0: I would think so. They they could have something duplicated. We, we could duplicate film, but of course you lost a little bit of quality in those days. When you, but, um, um,
1: dare I ask, when you would when you got rid of... The excess film how was that disposed of
0: it was just put in a 44 gallon drum which was the film department waste bin (laughs) it was just put in the bin straight in the bin and then what just dumped the landfill bin would be cleared and all taken to the tip oh my lord
1: yes that's where it's all gone do you sometimes think back john and just think
0: yes i think if only we had have had more foresight in those days we would have saved a lot more material but there was yeah. a lot of work in going through it all, and putting it all together, and slicing it together, and putting on reels. But there was just no no um, storage facility. Right. At Channel Seven.
1: Yeah, I see. Right. So it was where, just it yeah. was
0: a converted Channel Seven was built on a um, well, the Channel Seven buildings at Dorchester. Street was an old um, newspaper warehouse. was owned by the herald sun and when it became hsv herald sun television they converted this uh, newspaper warehouse into a tv station (laughs) so it wasn't exactly designed for uh for all the things we really needed so it was largely a, a compromise in a lot of areas
1: well it wasn't just football and world of sport we're talking um lawn bowls boxing Tennis. Yes. Was that yes. so? Did, were you in? Were you in charge in, of people filming that as well, or how
0: did absolutely? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Ha- the lawn, lawn bowls with people like John Dobie, and uh, he was he was a wonderful man. And um, yeah, there was uh, Gus mercurio boxing, and, and with his boxing and all that stuff. Jack Elliott and the races. <laughs> yes. Yes. Jack Elliott. Yes, Jack was always always in. He was very. Keen on rehearsing everything properly, right? Um, there's so many different people. Um, well, Fred Villiers, yeah, like Colin Long, Colin Long with the tennis, and yeah. Doug, Doug Ring with the the cricket Doug. and all that.
1: Was there anyone sure. who was sort of the opposite, who wasn't, you know, who was um, a bit more looser and didn't really always have to look too much over the footage before they started? Uh, um, more natural,
0: in a sense, do you know what I mean? Was, well, Fred Villiers, Fred with his soccer, he was very relaxed and going. Yeah, he was a very likeable fellow. Yeah. Yeah, he would be a little like that, uh, These his soccer reports. But, <laughs> that's uh, corrected.
1: yeah. <laughs> reports. It was great. I mean, they, they would fit a lot into how – lo- how long was the show, three hours?
0: It? Three hours as a rule, yes. Started at 11, finished at 2. That's it. And then sometimes cool. I think it may have started at 12 and finished at 3. Um yeah, that was all, you know, whatever Ron Casey, who was station manager, he made sure he got the best time slot and, and, um, But Ron, Ron was the producer, of course, he was the original producer, but then there were a lot of other producers Came and went um, It was almost a game of musical chairs there, apart from Ron, there was Lawrence Coston came in, did some production uh, Peter Landy for quite a time, and uh, Sandy Roberts as well uh, David Hill, uh, you might remember um, Yeah. Yes. And Gary Fenton, and oh, then nice of course car. Gordon Bennett, the great Gordon Bennett, yeah. the great Gordon Bennett. Yes, P- P- I actually t- took his job in the film department when uh, when I first joined Channel Seven. There, <laughs> Gordon was in the film department, and uh, he went out, up to become a cameraman, and I moved into the film department.
1: He went all the way up to the top, didn't
0: he? He did indeed. He was a wonderful producer. I can remember him still. Being, great fellow.
1: Yes, when Dad was doing um Sports World or or um those sort of Saturday morning. Footy show sort of things. He was he was mm. there. He was in charge of
0: that. Mm-hmm. And the the world's world sport director was always Dick Jones, who was absolutely amazing. He was a, oh, a legend. Wow. And uh, and yes, it was it was great. To, for many years, the, I managed to get an, a credit there on the end. It used to say "edited by John Halliwell, directed by Dick Jones, and produced by Ron Casey." And I was always proud to see my name up there alongside a couple of real legends of television. I, I was masquerading, I think. <laughs>
1: when the show was on <laughs> where were you sitting
0: um i would generally take a few pies and go home <laughs> <laughs> there was always um you know hundreds of four and twenty pies there with the fire warmer there seemed to be uh, more than you could ever eat so right. it was all you'd grab a couple of pies and pasties and, and head home <laughs> well, <that's not laughs> once f- the show was on there once the reel was then tell tell us any um you know, it had all been ticked off and all rehearsed and everything done. There was no sense in hanging around for a couple of hours. Yeah, I had done that, of course, but you don't do that every week. And you've done your job, so off you go.
1: Did you <laughs> manage to grab any Petra orange juice on the way out?
0: Absolutely. I should have added Petra orange juice. What else was and there? And Uncle, Uncle Doug and his Petra.
1: Yeah, That's right. We had the 4 and 20 pies, the Petra orange juice. There was some sort of Palaco shirt, probably, or I'm guessing. Something like yeah, yes, that, I they, they were they are good
0: be. sponsors too. I think yes, and Dustings of Burwood and all those old sponsors. Dustings of d Dustings.
1: Oh, now that's right. Now Doug's ads were live, weren't they? Was
0: they it... were yes. Well, it was what was mostly done live, it was it was sink or swim. You, you 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 did it on the fly, as they say.
1: I have to ask Jack Dyer, how was he either you know in front of the camera, behind the camera? What was he sort of? What was his sort of demeanour and his?
0: Um, he was... Much the same as, as he, he came across on radio or oh, right. anything like that. He was yep. very much his own person. <laughs> he always, was, always will be. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he was. He was a wonderful man, wasn't he? But you, sure, I remember getting a jumper presented to me by Jack Dyer after making that list that time, which was a, another great memory. Did you really?
1: Mm. Well, do you not remember what number was on the Guernsey?
0: No idea. I can't remember. I think it could have been number nine or something. So you got, yeah, so far years. Right, I, so. I remember getting getting something presented by Isn't Jack Incredible. a long time ago. Memory is a bit vague.
1: What's, what's wonderful is that you're at Richmond in the early 60s where yes. you're meeting some of these old players. So guys yes. there... You're playing with Noel Judkins in the under seventeens.
0: And the under nineteen,
1: sorry. Yes. Whose father's Stan Judkins, who won yes. a Brownlow Medal. You met Stan?
0: I have met Stan actually. In oh. fact, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that because I remember his words once to me, he said, Son, you need something in your stomach before you go out and play. He said a bag of chips will do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a bag of chips.
0: Yes, yes. Oh, thanks um, was, for that, Stan. I was, it was sad having a bit of a chat to, to the rest of us, us boys there. Oh, well, that's, uh, was that the uh, secret? Yeah, look, he was on the right track, I think. I mean, you can't play on an empty stomach, I'm sure.
1: No, no, he's absolutely right. So we've got we've got Stan Judkins, Dyer. Well, Charlie Callender would have been there, I'm guessing.
0: Charlie was there, yes. I mean, yes. he was only 40 years into an 80-year <laughs> career or something. <laughs> that's but right. He, he would have been yeah, there. Yeah, property well. man, property man.
1: Were you there for World of Sports last show?
0: No, I'd left. I'd left uh, Channel 7 in uh, the early 80s to okay. form my own business, uh, making TV commercials and producing uh, corporate videos and sporting videos. Yeah. And so that that was a new era for me.
1: Let's talk about the commercials. What ones would we recognise?
0: Oh, golly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I made thousands of commercials, so I guess, over 30, 30 years or so. Um, probably... Franco Cotso would be one. <laughs> I so have seen. Did you produce may those see? as well? Yes. Or? yes, I did. Yes, yes. As oh, well as um, a lot of commercials for Sportsmart and uh, things like not quite Right supermarkets and mainly um, for Channel 10 and their direct clients. So that was uh, what I was mainly doing apart from the sporting videos. And that was what I really liked doing. I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, make Pat Cash's uh, tennis coaching video after he won Wimbledon, which was... Um, Oh, good to do, and uh, it gave me uh, gave me an insight into tennis, and uh, I've been playing ever since. I started playing when I was forty five, and now I'm nearly in my seventy fifth year, and I still play two to three times a week. So thanks to thanks to Pat and making this tennis coaching video, I had a rough idea of you know what to do, and I've been trying ever since to try and do it, not very successfully, but.
1: Well, no, let me let little... me put my hand up. I was one of the people who watched the uh, Pat Cash coaching video. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, we were all sort of swept up, you know, with his um, when he played in the Davis Cup and that sort of thing. So it was yes. sort of hard to resist. You know, they yes. he striked while the island was hot and put out the video and stuff like that. Um, mm. So you did you direct that and produce that,
0: or how did that? I produced, like? produced and directed it. Right. Yes, yes.
1: Um, did did Pat come up with that idea? Do you remember?
0: No, we came to him with that idea.
1: Oh, fantastic,
0: sensational yeah. idea. And, you know what, in, in a way, it comes back to Kevin Sheedy because I'll tell you how. Um, I was producing the football um, how-to-play videos for the BFL. I'd done quite a few for the BFL on how-to-play football and also for the National Football League, which, of course, was the precursor to the AFL as it is now. But the NFL was around for quite a while before then. And um, actually, Kevin Sheedy suggested that I talk to uh, John Warren from the National Football League, who was the director of coaching, right. and uh, about making some videos, so I, I did that. I followed that up, and uh, yeah, made a heaps of videos. And along the way, I met a guy called David Zuka, who's um, a physio, and constro physio, and it was also Pat Cash's physio. Through through David, we had to contact with Pat, and then we, you know, decided to talk with Pat Cash senior about making a. Uh, coaching video so that's how that all started it's just strange the way incredible. the world works sometimes isn't it
1: isn't it incredible how it's all connected
0: yeah things are connected they they really are
1: these yes. when did when did sort of the whole production side of things start to sort of stop for you and you sort of you know moved into retirement so to speak
0: okay well i thought after 50 years in television it was time to retire so i did <laughs> <laughs> I can hear a buzz was that, coming. Was, up. That, was that simple? Oh, right. Okay. That was it. So I, you know, concentrated on a few other things like uh, tennis and uh, building and flying model aircraft and um, things like that. So yeah. that kept me busy and out of mischief.
1: How did you, how, sorry, how do we get from editing production to building model aircraft? I'm guessing that was always your passion. <laughs> well, you
0: asked me, me what, a, uh, how long was in tell me what I did when I retired, so <laughs> that's that's what I tended to do, I was going in competitions and things like that.
1: So hold on, so the competition was what, flying them?
0: Flying them, yes, okay, flying right. it. So I managed to win quite a few state, national and even one international championship, the British Nationals. Sure. Um, yeah.
1: Fantastic. What do, you, what do you get for winning that, can I
0: ask? Oh, uh, just a trophy. <laughs>
1: in the shape of a plane, I'm guessing?
0: <laughs> yes, some of them were, yes. <laughs> So as a no, kid, just as... the, the glory—the glory of winning. I suppose whatever, whatever you do. Look, I guess I've always been pretty competitive in whatever, whatever I do. So it was just another competition, really. It's a—it's very much a hobby sport, the uh, model aircraft flying. So mm. I just like the competitive nature of it.
1: Wait, did you do model um, aircraft in when you were a kid? I did. So yes. that's sort of where it came from. I'm guessing that's where the interest.
0: Yes. Is. Yes. I get it from one of my father's brothers, my oh. uncle Bill, who uh, used to build model aircraft way back when. In fact, he flew the first power model in the Western District, I'm told. Oh, wow. In fact, it was a big 10 foot wingspan aircraft, and it ended up crashing in some trees and uh, somewhere out in. In the outskirts of Warrnambool and I'm told the farmer who saw it on his property crashing into the trees called the police because he thought it was a real plane that had crashed. <laughs> because it was so big? Because it was so probably big, distance, yes. I love it. <laughs>
1: so <laughs> where, we, story, where would you go to, where would you go to buy the model airplanes etc? Where was,
0: um, where well hobby one... stores everywhere. Okay, yep. Yeah. And you you made them yourself, actually. You you'd only bought the raw materials from the hobby shops. Part of the fun, I guess, was actually constructing the models yourself.
1: Well, it's a so, I mean, it's something that people still do, I'm assuming, and um, yeah, there's still, yeah, a, still. A, a large uh, need for it and an interest
0: in it. Mm, there is indeed, indeed. So yeah, that's that's what I'm doing now. So mainly 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 tennis these days, <laughs> <laughs> and just enjoying retirement, smelling the roses, as they say, and. Looking, looking back and uh, I said we've got some wonderful memories, particularly with the Tigers and supporting the Tigers during the footy season, it hasn't been wonderful. I mean, that yeah. Premiership, 2019 Premiership, was just something to savor for a Tiger supporter. Oh. It was just up, above and beyond. But, of course, the job's not done yet. We've got to go back-to-back back and uh, mm. then maybe do a 3 feet. Well, so, 2017 course, was
1: the, the absolute highlight for, for someone like myself up, who, up up had the, years. who had the drought, you know, since the 80s. Um, so I can imagine. Um, with, uh, since, since the demise of World of Sport, yes, in your mind, has any football show come close to being as successful or as no, interesting not, for not you? Really.
0: No, not at all. Okay. Yeah, World of Sport was just unique. It was a unique people on it. Um, it was just a brand of its own. Uh, people have tried to copy, but, I mean, the footy show was very successful in its early days and things like that with Sam. because Sam was on World of Sport there in the early days as well. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I think World of Sport had its own particular brand and very hard to, to copy or, or beat and it, it held its own. Well, the times like was so different, of course. It was traditional to sit down and have a Sunday roast and watch World of Sport. That was what everyone did in those days. <laughs> How lovely. A Sunday what? roast. And, but but this is, this is, that was tradition back then, but of yes. course that's gone these days. Did you
1: get to go to many games yourself during this World of Sports time?
0: Uh, yes, I, I was um, at the footy every week probably for 15 years at least, maybe 20 years. I never missed a Tigers game because that's with the VFL when all the matches around Melbourne with the occasional one down at Geelong it was so easy to do. But um, with the advent of the AFL and all the interstate matches, you uh, perhaps had second thoughts about travelling interstate every second week or whatever to see the footy. And particularly now television was becoming so much better. You had the huge colour screens and uh, multi-camera coverage. It was like being there. It was just so different from the early days. So can you give me an
1: idea of of, um, sort of when colour television came into into Melbourne? I feel like I
0: memory in about 1976 from memory the Montreal Olympics uh, had colour um, for the first time in the yeah. studios. So and you... we had colour, colour film as well around about that time.
1: All oh, right. So before that, the world of sport footage was black and white.
0: Always black and white, yeah. yes. Always back from and it's all through the 60s, it was all black and white footage. No right. No colour. <laughs> <laughs> That's, a, well, that's We, a... pro- we processed all, all the footage was shot by the cameraman, the same with the news. It was like a, a news. The news cameraman went out and did the did the shoot uh, around the grounds and uh, brought it back. We processed it upstairs overnight, and it was all ready for Sunday morning to uh, to be edited with the highlights. And that was the day before videotape was mm. was around.
1: Can you give us give us an idea of just the complexities of the editing machine? What was
0: it? Well, we we had just a, a viewer, um, two two reels, which one you'd, you'd spill through and you'd actually wind through the film mm-hmm. and then just simply pick out the highlights and the highlight bits you'd, you'd snip out and put them on a, on a rack mm-hmm. and um, then edit them all together when you'd gone through the footage and selected the, the pieces you want. Incredible. So it was... A primitive way to do it compared with the way you do things today, but that was the way it was all done. And then you'd physically splice them together with a wet splicer. You'd actually use film cement to put them together Oh wow! with a little clamping machine. So, yeah, it was time-consuming. I think back to but all you, the... You learned to do it pretty quickly. It was like news as well. I also edited the news for quite a while on Channel 7. Oh, wow. Um, which meant you had to be pretty quick with making decisions on what shots you wanted and putting them together rather quickly because the 6 o'clock news went on at 6 o'clock and you had to, had to be ready. <laughs>
1: you had to be ready for it. It was going on well, regardless. Absolutely.
0: There was no waiting. <laughs> the shots uh, had to be put together. The reels had to be into the telecine to roll tape when uh, people like, I think, those not Jeff Jeff Raymond was the newsreader mm-hmm. mm-hmm. when he started his read. It had, all had to be right.
1: Was there a particular time where... I mean, we've gone from black and white footage to color footage. So at what point did At what point did uh, the cameramen sort of film on with, with sound for world of sports highlights? Did they ever
0: do you Well they, they didn't. And one of the reasons we didn't do uh, sound was because we used to film in slow motion. Um, and the reason for that is we, when we filmed at 24 25 frames, the, the motion was too um, jerky and too quick, yeah. and you just couldn't see it sometimes. Uh, so yeah. it looked much better. There was much more detail to be seen and appreciated when the film was actually slowed down a little bit. So, yeah, all worlds well well, was filmed at um, thirty, thirty-two to forty frames.
1: Well, that explains the uh, slow mo footage of Dad on those on yes. reels, which which actually make it more incredible to watch. That's right, because you can see the intricacies a player tries to trip him in one of the one of the shots as he sort of tries to evade him. You know, something that you would just miss if it was. At the proper proper speed,
0: right? Yes, isn't that incredible? Well, that's why we did it. That's why we did it, John. You've you've
1: you've saved history, mate. That's what you've done. <laughs> you've saved history. I, I know a, few, a bit of it got discarded, but uh, you, you've saved it. So we should focus <laughs> just on the positive, I guess. I think so. it's been it's been incredible. You, you, in, in summary, you've had an incredible career, haven't you?
0: Oh, goodness, i think that's a bit of an exaggeration but i've enjoyed i've been very fortunate to be in a job that i really loved working at um with, with sport virtually all my life i've loved sport and uh, to actually be part of it as a job was just a, a privilege
1: well it's been a thrill for me to speak to you about Tigerland and world of sport and to thank you for the reels that are still in their original canisters. Wow. Um,
0: <laughs> that we've. <laughs> after all those years, <laughs> we're talking 50 years ago at least. That's
1: right. Dad goes, they were given to me by John Halliwell. And I'm like, hold on, the John Halliwell that's in this under 17s team photo? He's like, yes. I'm like, okay. You know, <laughs> trying to sort of connect the dots in my brain was sort of, okay, so he's gone to Channel 7 after That's That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and. I guess I can. I wish you, you know, I wish you well in the future with, you know, whatever, you know, with your tennis in particular.
0: With the tennis, yeah, I'm playing with the Victorian Seniors group uh, regularly. In fact, we've got a game on Sunday out at Essendon, so yeah, travelling out there to have a hit and yeah, enjoying it. They they say tennis is the best exercise for older people. There was a, a survey done recently or a university um, test or something that yeah. said that people who play tennis tend to live. 10 years longer mm. than those who play any other sport. So yeah. that rang a few bells to say, John, keep on yeah. playing tennis.
1: And John, if you need any advice on how to play tennis, there's a there's a wonderful <laughs> Pat Cash video that he put out.
0: Oh, really? Many, <laughs> many years no, ago. I have seen that a few times. Yes, and he shows you how to serve and volley. Are you a servant and volleyer? Oh yes, I like the, like the volley, yes. <laughs>
1: That's exactly, that's what I did, yes. I was a servant volleyer, and I think I got that from the Pat Cash video,
0: so... I, I like think you'd be, if you're anything like your dad, you'd be pretty quick around the court.
1: I was, yes. that was a pretty quick player. I mean, he was, he, was, he did athletics and sort of, he ran in a few gifts probably around about when he was 17 yeah. and 19, didn't he, at that stage?
0: He did, he did indeed, indeed. yes. He was a great professional runner. Um, and I, I always remember, just, just quickly to press yeah, yeah. to one up... Um, when I came down from Warnable there was a couple of other Warnable boys down at um, Richmond as well there was Peter McLaren oh. and Laurie Foley now both Peter McLaren and Laurie Foley were schoolboy champions um, they were brilliant sprinters mm-hmm. and I think I remember one day they lined up with Kevin to have a bit of a race and I'm not sure who won I'd still like to know
1: <laughs> I'll see if dad remembers that and in fact would you believe we saw Peter McLaren at uh, Tommy Hafey's funeral really he, yes. he, he went to that, it was at the MCG, and um, a guy comes up to me and says, introduces himself and says, I'm Peter McLaren, and I knew the name because I would looked at the under 19, seventeen sort of team. Yeah, he was thing. a great mate of
0: your dad's, actually.
1: Yeah, and he, he said, look, can I, he said, your father hasn't seen me for, you know, 30 years or 40 years or whatever, and I said, Dad, there's a gentleman here to see you, and Dad looked at him, and he clicked his fingers and he went, Peter McLaren.
0: <laughs> and Peter what?
1: went, blow me down. And yes. I, and, well, Peter, you obviously haven't changed in, you know, 50 years or whatever sort of thing. Uh,
0: yeah, I, and, went, I, went, I went to school with Peter down in Warnall.
1: Yeah. Now, I haven't seen Peter since. I'm not too sure, you know, where sort of life took him after that. But um, hmm. that's uh, we're talking that's probably five or six years ago now. So.
0: Yeah, he was, he was a great sprinter. I, I remember him winning an inter-school hundred metre race by about thirty metres. Once this was all all at Western District Schools, and he won the hundred metres at well, let's say twenty metres. But <laughs> it was a long, long, long way in front. <laughs> he was oh, a very good runner. my
1: goodness! And so well, <laughs> well the well the
0: at, at Richmond, uh, Bill Baromio was. Yes, Bill was the sprint guy, and the, with the, he was coach of the fourths.
1: Yes. So, did you do any sprinting with him?
0: No, right, no. Okay. I was, I was uh, contained. With, uh, Played it full forward a little bit, so I, my dashes were very short.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Your leads were just short. And... Yes. <laughs> were you a left footer or a right footer?
0: Uh, right footer. Okay. Yes. Right.
1: And a, a reliable kick?
0: I think so. Yeah. Because I, I, I did the Dougie Wade, Peter Hudson torpedo punts.
1: Okay. What did they entail? How did that differ? Did that differ from any other sort of type of torpedo punt at the time, or?
0: Well, that... you know, the best the best players did torpedo punts in those days because they
1: were safe. It was safe, was it?
0: Well, absolutely safe, yeah. You look at Dougie Wade kicking for goal. It was
1: like a flat punt, wasn't it, or something
0: like a that? A flat torpedo punt, yeah, the flat punt. That was um, definitely the way to go. <laughs> they, it, they, they went longer, Yeah, longer than drop... No-one kicked drop punts in those days. But the interesting thing, I was only thinking about this the other day, back in 63, uh, I think, when we started, yeah. the flick pass was legal. Goodness. You've yeah, will remember this. The flick right. pass was legal in... in uh, I think started by Len Smith in the early 60s, right. and you could actually flick pass the ball. You try and do it today. <laughs> it's a throw, <laughs> The Whistle would go very, very smartly.
1: Did you play some games, John, where you did a flick pass?
0: Oh, yes. It was legal in 63. Was it effective? Yes. Right. But maybe that's why they outlawed it.
1: Because it was you—you you would hold the ball in the palm of your hand, and with the other hand, just sort you, of push it. That's
0: right. You—you you flick it. You would flick it.
1: Right. So flick it away. It was like invariably it was a throw in a sense, wasn't it?
0: Well, yeah, or not. not really, because okay. you actually flicked it. You didn't use both it, hands to do it. Right. Yeah. Which which you do when you throw. You yep. just hold it in your hand, uh, move the, move the say the left hand around somewhere with your right hand. You just then give it a flick.
1: Oh, outstanding. I don't think Dad would have done many flick passes, but you
0: know. well, I, I, I I hear not.
1: No, he didn't even do normal handballs, let alone the flick That's pass. Right. So that have
0: happened. I hope he doesn't listen to this.
1: <laughs> oh, he will. He, he will. I, I told him I was speaking to you. Um, yeah, well, it's fantastic. I so much appreciate our conversation. Thank oh, you right for right all up. that sure. you did at Thailand, but also thank you for everything you did at World of Sport over the years, so, over the fifteen years. So we're much appreciated as well.
0: It's been wonderful to talk to you, Rhett. Thank you very much.